Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I know it's just around the corner, the Rugby World Cup, but so is the Cricket World Cup. And obviously the possibility of South Africa lifting both those trophies, they will definitely go into both tournaments relatively strong with regards to their performances, especially the rugby team and, of course, the uh, cricket team, bearing in mind they have a five-match series against Australia and a couple of warm-up games before they get to the World Cup. So we thought that we would get hold of a former player and not only convener of selectors, but chairman of those selectors and a really good guy, Omar Henry. Welcome again to From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Nice to chat to you. Lovely to be part of it and uh, looking forward to the chat. So, Omar, let's start from the beginning. Let's explain to our audience how a group of conveners and selectors get together and make what has to be a very tough decision when it's not really who they include, it's who they leave out. That's always the difficult or the most difficult part. Just to give you a sort of insight on how we operated was um, panel of five, um, of which I was convener, used to ask anyone to go and write on the board the player that he thinks selects himself. Then the other four agree or disagree. All of us agree, then he gets a tick. So nine out of ten, that runs very smooth. The moment we start to debate and ask questions, that is when we are challenged as a panel to come up with things like, is he an X factor? What does he add different to the other content? And you debate in depth and pros and cons and whatever. Sometimes you consult with the captain and the coach just to get a view. Um, and at the end of the day, you've got to make those tough decisions um, and back yourself. Do you at any time work on the principle of I need X number of batsmen, X number of fast bowlers, if we have an all-rounder and a couple of spinners? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That format um, or formula get used um, in every format. The shorter the game, possibly the more all-rounders you're looking, the less specialist, um, you know, because it's about adding more value. The guy is very good in all three aspects. He's gold dust. Um, two out of three, still good. Um, the the guy who's a specialist, he's got to be a world class um, so, because he's only he's only got one aspect of the game to to give to you. So it sometimes gets very tricky, and you've got to really debate in what is best for the team and how can they win whatever game or the World Cup in this case. So obviously in years gone by, I guess it would have been simple. A guy like Alan Donald's name would have gone down. Hansi Cronier's name would have gone down. Jacques Callis's name would have gone down. So you would build the team around, as you say, the players who would have that X factor. Yes, they select themselves. Um, I mean, out of five guys, um, not one will ask a question. That is the kind of thing you want to create so that the core, everyone has got to buy in, you know. Once you've selected the 15 as the group of five, you say, um, up to the captain and, I presume, the coach when they're in the tournament to choose the 11 to start? In my case, it wasn't that. There was always a selector on tour. If it's not myself, then um, that selector will 
communicate with me, obviously having a discussion with the captain and coach on what has happened um, in the country that they're touring, uh, what's the conditions like, um, who looks in good form, etc., etc. Is there any injuries, blah, blah, blah. Um, any indication where the captain's preference is because of conditions and whatever. And then I will convey that to the other colleagues here in South Africa. And uh, we will listen to those that are present in that country and they will guide us. But um, the objective is, is to get um, the best team against considering the opposition and obviously the conditions we're playing in. So now you've got the 15 that you've decided upon. Does that then go to the president of Cricket South Africa or who then ratifies those 15 players? When I was convened, it was the president who ratified that. Okay, so now 15 players have been chosen this week. Um, I guess there are a couple uh, who easily would have picked themselves, the Quinton de Cox, the captain, obviously, Cajiso Rabada, as well as Bavuma and a couple of others. Your thoughts on the 15 that have been chosen? I think if one look, take it back two or three seasons, then you could see more or less how that OD side was shaping. And, uh, you know, that these guys, except for Gerald Kutsia and Magal, the rest obviously had plenty of opportunities to prove themselves that they are the best to go on this tour. So Gerald Gutierrez emerged in a very short space of time, and Megala was always on that borderline, kept out because of fitness and whatever the case is. But he has come in there on domestic form and how he has played in white ball cricket. So, um, you know, good luck to all of them. I mean, it's a side that's well and test prepared over a very long time. They've been well-traveled. They exposed themselves to a lot of conditions. Um, a lot of them understand and knows the Indian conditions. Their biggest challenge right now is how they get the best on a specific 11 against a specific opposition on certain conditions. It's interesting that you say the fact that there are players in the squad that obviously have played in India. Just explain to, from the boardroom to the locker room audience, how different it is in India to anywhere else in the world when it comes to playing this wonderful game of ours. Because obviously that counts tremendously in the ability of the player to cope with a hundred and plus thousand people screaming, not for you, but against you. That is one of the things that you have to absorb. Um, and deal with. Then there's the heat that you've got to deal with. Then, obviously, it will be a world stage competition. Um, and even if it's not a world stage competition, the media will be right on top of you. The focus is huge. Um, and once you can control those kind of stuff, then it comes to the game itself. You will be challenged in terms of the pitch itself, um, it could be very flat and you've got to deal with it. Batsman is going to come at you. They're going to play all kinds of shots um, or he's going to turn, you know, 
those are the obvious things you could be confronted with. And you've got to deal with that throughout that hundred overs um, on the day. Absolutely. Now, the selection of the 15 ahead of the five one-day internationals against Australia, um, the reasoning that you would think they chose the team, the positive or a negative having chosen the side before this Australian five-match series? Well, depends how you look at it, because if you are convinced that that 15 is the right 15, then why not selecting it? Because now you can look at your combinations. It's a five-match series. It can be a warm-up, although it's in South Africa, but at least you can get some kind of combinations going. Um, all 15 can play in this series so that the coach and the captain and whoever is going to be part of the selection can have an idea of what stage every player's game is in what needs to be done, what still needs to be addressed. Are there little tweaks that needs to take place? Is the way that we play 50-over cricket against Australia, is that the right formula, that's the right approach? Um, all these little detail, you know, that you could miss, you can now explore them and have sort of at least data on it and, and opinions on it, you know. Um, so for me, it's not a bad thing. It depends what they're going to do with the squad during the series and ensure that they're ready to go to India. And possibly the only difference is going to be most likely the conditions. Most of them have been to World Cups, the majority of them. They understand what that arena looks like. Um, and the focus, it's worldwide, everybody's watching, um, and you've got to be at your best. Um, when we look at the composition of the side, and I mentioned at the beginning of the interview the fact that it wasn't the 15 that were going, it's who gets left out. So we've briefly touched on Gerald Kutsia, and yes, he is great upcoming. I have no issues with regards to him. What does confuse me a little bit is the omission of somebody like Tristan Stubbs and the inclusion of a Keshav Maharaj who's come off quite a horrific injury and hasn't really played much cricket, will he be going along as a passenger or not? And if he does hypothetically break down in the five matches against Australia, which we all hope he doesn't, um, I guess we can bring somebody else in. And would Stubbs be the guy they might bring in? Well, again, it, like I said, it comes down to the tried and tested. Um, Kashyap is obviously, before the injury, he was one of their key players, almost in all three formats. For them to pick him, they must know that he is fit and ready to play. He's got these five games. Um, that will tell them a lot about, is he fit coming off this injury? They know what he can do, what he brings to the team. One can feel Stubbs could be disappointed, but this team clearly shows you that they focused on experience. They ensured that they have got pace and spin in that team. So that stands out for me. The fact that they picked Gerald Kutsia with Rabada, with Norkia, with Ngidi, and then you've got Marco Janssen and Sigala, the other Magala, the other yeah. seaman. So that tells you already that you know, they, they looked at those 
aspects and they made sure that they looked strong on paper in those areas. Um, the spinners are exactly the same, you know, Samzi, um, Maharaj, and then you've got Makram, which is going to bowl part-time or spin. So there you go. But you, of all people, know how difficult it is for a spinner to be included in a final 11 in a Proteus cricket team. We are heavily guided by our pace and spinners sit on the sideline, but we're taking three. That just well, confuses the, me a little. Well, two and a half. Louis, you, you're right. When I played, it, it the, the focus was heavily on, on bowling quick, um, you know, and, and to a certain extent swing. What has changed this is the T20 cricket, people thought that spinners was on a hiding to nothing and they were going to yeah. get pounded, right? Spinners dominating now T20 cricket. Everybody's looking for that mystery stuff. You understand? And if a spinner can bat, they're valuable, you know, more than valuable. Is a, If a batter can bowl spin, even more valuable. Yeah. So the thing now, and going to India, those three, Makram, Maharaj, and Shamji, they keep players. All three of them could possibly play in the same team on the same day. That's a possibility. I would be surprised. In India. In India. So okay. I think that's where I'm coming from in terms of covering those important bases in terms of where they're playing and what might can happen. So, and they bowled lots of overs in white ball format, both T20 and what's his name. They had their successes and they also had their moments where batsmen got hold of them. So there's a lot of data that they can go into and why things happened and what they should be able to look for and deal with those when they're confronted with it. The quick bowlers are exactly in the same boat. You know, if it's flat, then all of a sudden that power play and death bowling becomes so important that if you can take wickets, then you put your team on the front foot. If you don't, you're looking possibly down the barrel. I'd like to call you a student of the game, but that would be unfair. I'm going to call you a professor of the game. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's true. Sad. I mean, you gain that professorship by virtue of the many years that you've been involved and how many years you've been playing and coaching. Tell us about the likes of Rob Walters. We don't know that much about him as an international coach. We do know about him as coach of the Multiplied Titans. And then Eric Simons, who you know really well, and J.P. Dumini as the bowling and batting coaches. I just feel that they have got the combination right amongst those three. Not so sure about the fielding coach. Perhaps you could have been there to help them. <laughs> Look, Walter has been in the system for a very long time. He started off as uh, the fitness guy and he was around various coaches and traveled and obviously must have played some cricket and has got a passion for the game. And I've learned quite a lot about international cricket, um, you know, not just as a fitness trainer, but most of the other, if not all the other aspects of the game and possibly felt that once he's had that experience, he can contribute more. I mean, uh, you know, it's nothing new that these guys have gained so much traveling and being part of an international setup that 
you know, that intellectual capital is, is valuable. This is going to possibly be his biggest ever as a coach. He might have been on World Cups where he was just the fitness trainer, but yeah, the buck stopped by him. He's got to carry that through. He's got colleagues in Eric Simons, who's been there, has done it, had some success in franchise cricket. He knows what it takes to win and be successful and win trophies. On the flip side, he also knows what it's like when you get, you can't make a qualifying round of a World Cup. So he's been on either side. And once you have tasted the good and the bad, um, if you are smart enough and matured enough, then you will learn and you become wiser. So that's a benefit for Walter. J.P. Dumini, he physically played in these things. Um, same as Eric, he's been on either side of it. He's done well as a player. So their intellectual capital will be gold dust for everybody. So the challenge for them as a group, if you ask me where they are and what should be the expectation, on the basis that most of them has played in India more than possibly any other team of a South African nature, then the expectation is that they should win it. Everything runs in their favor. We spoke about the coach. We spoke about the assistant coaches. We spoke about key areas in the team from a bowling perspective, whether it's quick bowling, in the power play. They've got all that. They, they've been tried and tested. Winners have been tried and tested. The batters have been tried and tested. They know. Quentin de Kock has been through it. Klaassen is possibly the most improved cricketer over the last, what, two years? At least, yeah. 12 months, two years. He stands out. Wherever he went, he, he made an impact. Quentin de Kock, same thing. Miller. You know, Mark Ram is a, call it the future leader and possibly one of the young batsmen who's got to take the baton when most of these guys are going to retire. He's possibly earmarked to take the rest forward. So you can almost write a profile on every one of them, say, right, this is what this World Cup means to each one of you. And if we add this all up, that is the outcome. So you can justify every Everything you've said, I fully agree with. You've just left one thing out. And that yes. is something that we haven't had since 1992. And I'll mm -hmm. spell it for you. L-U-C-K, luck. You have to have an element of luck to win a World Cup, don't you? Well, it does come in. Um, sometimes, sometimes you create that luck, right? Yep. A lot of people might disagree with me. But if your self-belief and your positivity and the calculated risk that you take is managed very well and you seize opportunities and you drive the process of winning, then I reckon nine out of 10, you're going to create your own luck because you put the opposition under so much pressure. Well, we go into this World Cup with a large percentage of our team on the other side of 28, 29, we already know Quinton de Kock's going to retire at the end of this one. I guess if there was ever a will to leave the game with a legacy, these guys have got the opportunity, the Millers of the world, etc., etc., to be the first to lift that trophy, which we've tried so desperately to lift since 92. 
Well, you're absolutely right. And for me, you know, it is, if one make an assessment on how many times these guys have played in India, how many World Cups they've been, how many ODIs they've played, their individual successes, their individual failures, then that intellectual capital sits there. It is what you're going to do with, you know, when the World Cup starts. Are you going to live in that past or are you going to build onto it and really make that intellectual capital a foundation for you to grow as a team and really go there and believe that you can win it. You want to win. You know, it's, it's, it's about, do you want to win it? You know, and then you make an effort to win it. You create opportunities. You create your luck. You deal with pressures that's coming your way and you don't lose focus. We spoke to Temba Bavuma a couple of uh, weeks ago and I mentioned to Temba in conclusion with my interview to him how wonderful it would be in the year 2023 for a Temba Bavuma and a Sio Kalisi to lift both the Rugby and the Cricket World Cups. I mean, that is definitely a possibility? Well, it certainly is a possibility, right? Um, it's a reality. It is there. They, they're going to World Cup, you know. It's not a theory. It is there, yeah. you know. It's not a fairy tale. So the mere fact that it's going to happen is on its way to the World Cup. Is the captain. The chances are that they can win it. They played against these teams and they, they know the modern game the technology is so good, right? It is how well you use it and prepare and then how well you execute on the day. And when you see moments whereby you can really drive the nail into the coffin of the opposition, will you be able to take that calculated risk or do I going to stay on the conservative side and wait? Which you know? we'll have to do. Until well, the end of this competition, but well, I guess we will have to wait. We will have to wait. The yeah. team needs to create. It's going to be fantastic, as you say. They've played against most of the players that they're going to be playing against now, compared to years gone by. The technology they they know almost every move that any player anywhere in the world makes as. Do they know us? So perhaps a Gerald Kutsia could be the ace up the sleeve by virtue of the fact that he's not as well known as everybody else around the World Cup and as experienced as other teams might be. It is how well the 1 to 11 is going to play together. You know, I remember playing against Natal for Free State and we beat Natal in Bloom. And John T. Roach came off the field into our dressing room and he says, he looked at us and he, he counted. And they asked him, why are you counting us? He says, well, I'm just checking whether you've got 11 or not 15 because <laughs> when you were out there, it looked like you had 15 guys on the field. So that is what a team, when they really play well, they look bigger, they look more, they look stronger. They just slightly ahead of you all the time. doesn't matter what you throw at them, they'll have an answer for you and they'll come back at you and they get past you and they start dominating you. And once you're in that battle, it is those who are the strongest mentally, physically, technically, smart, disciplined, take the calculated risk 
You know, it is those kind of things. It's fine margins that take you over that line. And by winning, you gain confidence. Always a pleasure interviewing former protier and convener of selectors. Great guy, Omar Henry. His thoughts on from the boardroom to the locker room are always appreciated. Well, he's not the only expert we have on this week. Tomorrow night, you can join us when we'll be talking to Andy Capistano, ahead of the Rugby World Cup and looking at the Springboks against Scotland and, of course, how the other teams will shape up. That's tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As always, be nice to each other. Until tomorrow, bye-bye.